album that starts out with this thing. Also, who are we? Oh, my <laughs> name's Shia Carey. And I'm Claire Dickerson. Okay. You're listening to Pinion, which is the first track. It starts really quiet, you guys. And it builds. It goes like this. This is, this is like, I'm cranking the volume right now. This is Pinion. This is what you get. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about Broken Today, which is a really cool album. It's an EP. It came out in 1992. And we're going to go through the songs, kind of talk about all the legal stuff that went on with Broken. Talk about the movie that we just watched that it accompanies Broken. If So I feel broken having seen it. This record is an absolute <laughs> smash. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's insane. It's so only it's, it's eight an songs? EP or whatever, but like, I feel like in the in the artistic Trentiverse, like this is Trent's second album, and the first time he really found his voice. Um, like, yeah. cr- critics raved about this because, like, basically, this album is not what you would expect coming out of the guy that made Down in It. Right. Right. This is not like synth poppy ballads about your ex girlfriend. This is like screeching raving guitars yeah and, and yeah Reznor at his shoutiest ever this yeah. is the shoutiest Reznor the shoutiest. ever was. and because of that he won two Grammys with this album no shit two Grammys two for for which things? he won one for Wish and he also won one for the live performance of Happiness and Slavery amazing yeah at Woodstock Woodstock 94 so yeah I mean this really was a breakthrough for a bunch of different reasons and um so yeah, we're going to go through, talk about the album, talk about the movie afterward. But uh, first, a little bit of background. Trent, uh, I think we talked about this on Pretty Hate Machine. His first album came out under the label of TVT, mm-hmm. which I did a little bit of research on. It actually stands for TV Tunes. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. this guy, Steve Gottlieb, who was like a, he has, he's a, has a doctorate in law from Harvard, and he decided to cash in on this trend of people love listening to the, the, the theme songs for TV shows in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. fucking Gilligan's Island, the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. So he created TV tunes to release this fucking cash grab of an album. Yep. Um, and then after he made like tens of millions of dollars off of this this thing that he didn't have any... It's not a creative endeavor to just right. slap together a bunch of songs that appeared on TV. Anyway, so fuck Steve. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that was, that was the... Uh, the label under which Pretty Hate Machine was released. Um, and then Trent sort of wanted to take things in a different direction because he, he wanted to play around with like really, really heavier themes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Steve Gottlieb from TVT basically told him, like, no, just make Pretty Hate Machine again. Just yeah. give us Down In It too. Um, you know, sing about your dog and yeah. the Itsy Bitsy Spider. Right. Like, that's, this is what we want. We want, we want that bullshit again. Yeah. So then a lot of this album ended up getting recorded like in secret. Which I think, this album is so good. Yeah. For so many reasons. For so many reasons. Uh, and Because it's like, it was rebellious in its its very existence. Because mm-hmm. he, he was recording with Flood behind the scenes. I think Tommy Iovine, who was like an executive from Interscope Records, mm-hmm. was uh, was working with him. I think the way this finally got released was like, they made a partnership label, Nothing. Yep. You knew about Nothing. I, I knew about know, Nothing. I yeah. didn't know about Nothing. I, I didn't know Nothing. You knew nothing about nothing. Exactly. So yeah, basically made a partnership uh, between Interscope. Was it between Interscope and TVT, or was it just Interscope? Well, I think it's a 50-50 split, but Interscope had the creative helm. Mm -hmm. So it basically was like, well, here's your little makeshift record label under which you can do whatever you want. And they were still bringing in dollars from it. Um, Yeah, I think it was because Tommy Iovine heard what Trent and Flub were working on and just decided to let him run with it because it's like this is something really new because mm-hmm. i mean it, this is trent's only like true rock album like, yeah it's straight up guitar bass drums and trent Reznor. some keys fucking, but yeah some key there's some synth there's, um we'll get to that and it's what i read that i think is pretty cool is that um he credits the touring band that he was with in 91 for like kind of helping him realize the heavier sounds that he wanted to make. Right. So that was Chris Renna, 
on drums. Chris, oh, yeah. Chris, he uses Chris Vrenna a lot. Yeah, right? Chris Vrenna plays with him a lot. Chris Vrenna also um, has done... He's done a lot of musical endeavors over the years. I've gone to a horrible Marilyn Manson show just to see Chris Vrenna. <laughs> I love the guy. Um, he has his own project called Tweaker. He's, he, he's so good. But um, And also, Richard Patrick was on backup vocals and guitar. Um, and he's filter dude, as we've talked about. So, yeah. And yeah, the guitars in this album are like very, very intense. Like mm-hmm. so they they range all the way up like screaming metal, almost solos, not really solos, mm-hmm. but screaming metal riffs. And then it has like really sludgy, like rhythm sections as well. Which I read on Ninwiki, I think mm-hmm. that sound was achieved by playing song, playing the guitar riffs twice as fast, uh-huh. and then slowing them down. Oh, interesting. So it all, it almost sounds like the guitar. We'll get to this later, but yeah. the, like the guitarist is almost like asleep. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and I can I I can kind of imagine some of the and this is it's heavy as fuck. Every happening. song on this album talks about like some abusive relationship. Uh-huh. You know whether it's getting like, out of something. Yeah, it's like a it, there's a self destructive trend to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, that that idea was fully realized in the broken movie and all the broken music videos yeah which were like totally just s&m goth parties yeah just like torture kill sex, torture leather. fuck fest it's oh god <laughs> this album is great for so if i said this is great it's great for so many fucking reasons i'm exhausted and, th- and then it won like it won two grammys yeah so like this is i think this is the easiest trent talk has been so far because like <laughs> i did not mind at all just diving in and swimming oh my in, god in i know this halo it was so good this is a hell of a fucking also, thing. Also, um, I made the mistake of eating during the broken video. I, if you, I'll oh put a link. God. We'll talk about it later, <laughs> and I'll put a link to it on the website. But oof. I have a habit of eating while I'm watching the X Files. I still haven't broken that habit, even no. though I was like, I was eating like a bowl of chili as I was watching like the fluke episode. <laughs> and I, like seriously, the spoon paused on the way to my oh. mouth. Like, <laughs> The Fluke Man episode will forever be ingrained. But I would I would say the Broken movie was grosser than the Human Fluke episode. Oh, it was easily it was pretty gross. Yeah, I've seen some shit, and that was up there. But okay, we'll, we'll get okay, there. we'll get there. We'll so get I guess there. we can actually play through the album and yeah, let's uh, do it. Talk about uh, talk about our let's get to the riffs. the 1993 Grammy performance for best metal or Grammy for best metal performance. Wish. Here it is, in all its glory. Ah, oh, do you hear that? Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. It just has that amazing spiraling guitar attack. Here it is again. And then Trent is, is truly, like, at, he's up to screaming game so much. Uh-huh. Like, and it, it complements the guitar perfectly. It yeah. feels like It feels like a real fit. Yeah. Oh, here comes the chorus, I think. contrast that's in there too because it goes from like this big swooping guitar sound and then back in the it's it's a fucking great metal performance it's it is it's It's i don't always agree with the grammy council but (laughs) like they nailed it handing a metal performance and first and also introducing the metal grammy at all yeah yeah a respectful nod to a nascent genre yeah I, I hate everyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Um, when did you first hear this song? Ooh. So when I was doing my whole... No, it had to be before then. I don't remember when I first heard... I think when I first heard this song, it was watching the live and all that could have been. Because I was five in 1992. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And even I got into the downward spiral. I got into the fragile. I, no, I got into the downward spiral. Then I must have found this. Got into the fragile. Put a full stop on Nine Inch Nails. Because it was just like too personal and everything. Mm. And then came back to it. But sometime in high school, I guess, 
when I was doing my whole Deftones, The Perfect Circle. Oh, yeah. That was my jam as phase, well. Phase, yeah. I mean... I wouldn't say phase. I still love all of that. But um, back, like, when I was really engulfed in all that... You still love A Perfect Circle? Yeah. I don't love anything they've recently done, but the uh-huh. first album is one of the greatest albums of all time. That's 13 Steps? No. No. <laughs> that is one of my least favorite albums okay. that anybody has ever made that I love. No, it was Married and Home. Oh, yeah. That one's all right. I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, when I first discovered this, like, I was still trying to wrap my head around Nine Inch Nails, because, yeah, my friend gave me Downward Spiral, and then I kind of worked my way backwards, or I, got, I think I skipped over Last, because it's easy to miss. Last? It's, it's or, sorry. I think I, I think I skipped, I want to call it Last, because it's my favorite song on this album. Yeah. Maybe of Nine Inch Nails altogether. Yeah. But no, you skip Broken. Broken. Yeah. I skipped Broken, listened to Pretty Hate Machine, I was like, this is not, like, Downward Spiral, really. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, this, this is really, like... This is what, what you might call the talking dog movie of Nine Inch Nails. Because like, he's like an electronic artist, and then all of a sudden it's just like, Burr! like there's this like, <laughs> the talking su- dog super intense guitar rock album. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fucking amazing. And I think it's all the more amazing. You want me to pause here? Pause when it's over. Okay. Keep talking. I think it's all the more amazing because this is like the one time that Nine Inch Nails went 100% rock. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, if this was all Nine Inch Nails ever did, if this, if they just recorded more and more metal albums, it wouldn't be as fun and as amazing as it is. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, the guitar riffs are great, but not super sophisticated, so it's, it's a very sludgy kind of metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the only time they did that. Yeah. And that, it makes it so much more special. There's, I mean, like, there are hints of it elsewhere, but this is absolutely... And, like, seeing any live performance as soon as they th- put... Like, as soon as they go into Wish, or as soon as they go into Gave Up, I just lose my fucking mind. It's just, like, the the pinnacle. This album is, like, a gift. Oh, it is. It's, it's so a good. Gift. Um, so one of my favorite factoids about this song... Wish. Wish. He won the Grammy for Wish. He says fuck in it three times. And the most notable one is he says fist fuck. So he joked one time that he wanted his epitaph to read, Reznor died... Said fist fuck and won a Grammy. Yeah, won a Grammy for it. <laughs> for it. Not in spite of it. I love it. that's like a critical part of the song. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to get into Last, which is one of my all-time faves. Yeah, it's I'm so good. I'm just going to let you listen to it for a little bit. My head's getting lost along the way. <laughs> I am head banging very hard to this. <laughs> so good. Yeah, the first time I heard this shit was just like, what? this isn't the same band at all. Yeah, I kind of had that too. Definitely like heard this song and I was just like, whoa. Oh, wait. This is like a I just wanted to. Oh, yeah. yeah. The guitar. So that's the closest it ever really comes in Nine Inch Nails to having like a guitar solo. And especially a guitar solo that doesn't just derive from the vocal melody. There's a... I think there's a little solo in Gave Up. Yeah, and also his, his way later albums too. Yeah. Like, um, but it's not, I mean like, it's more, it's not even like a solo. It's like a guitar tangent and then it just comes like right back. It's, it's like a, a, what do they call it, a, um, a passing chord. Oh, except, okay. Except with like a riff. Cool. I don't, I don't play guitar, so I just say things like guitar tangent. Oh, but it's it's really fun. I, I play it. Um, I learned this song. I, I like facetiously wrote a how much angst. Oh, is it time for how much angst? Yeah, it's not really a how, it's not funny, but I was just like, how much angst? The amount of angst of a man who's trying to prove he's not a synth pop artist. No, that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, but like, like... This album, Trent Reznor described it as a big fuck you to TV Tunes Records. Uh-huh. And it comes through. It really, really comes through. Yeah. And I feel like even the whole, like, this isn't meant to last, this is for right now, probably, like, I feel like it also has something to, because he didn't want to work for Interscope either. Right. He ha- he was just like, I probably, I don't remember the quote, but it, he was just kind of like, I probably got out of, like, a bad situation and into, like, a potentially worse one, but mm. here we go. So, here's a quick little note. So, Spin Magazine, in 96, actually, asked Reznor, how did the success of Pretty Hate Machine and your Lollapalooza tour produce a tormented record like Broken? 
And Trent said, on a personal level, it's coming out of a weird relationship. I, I really fell in love with someone and we lived together for six to eight months, but went from being the best to the worst. Plus, I hadn't really spoken to the label before Lollapalooza. We made it very clear we were not doing another record for TV tunes, but they made it pretty clear they weren't ready to sell. So I felt like, well, I finally got this thing going, but it's dead. Blood and I had to record Broken under a different band name, because if TVT found out we were recording, they could confiscate all of our shit and release it. Yeah. They censored it in... in. Shit! Shit! <laughs> Jimmy Iovine got involved with Interscope, and we sort of got slave traded. It wasn't my doing. I don't know anything about Interscope. And I was really pissed off at him, because at first, I was going from one bad situation to potentially another one. But Interscope went into it like they really wanted to know what I wanted. It was good. After I put my raving lunatic act on... <laughs> so, that almost counts as an impression. So that kind of that, under, that that kind of establishes that pretty much every song in this album is talking about a shitty abusive relationship. Yeah, and that's like with like a, a lover, but it's also with like an exploitive boss, you know, and is creatively stifling, you mm -hmm. know. So yeah, it, it kind of makes sense that all these S and M themes really come through. I I find that like. A lot of times when people talk about working with record labels, there's almost this, like, father figure role that the rec like the head of the record label always seems to play. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I kind of, like, whenever there's, like, a dispute or whenever there's, like, drama, it always kind of seems like, no, Dad, shut up. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to make you another record. I want to go make a record for Mom or and something. I, I think that especially resonates with Trent because mm. his dad took off. And he was raised by his grandparents. Aww. And yeah, I think that's his—that's probably his original pain that he, sort of a lot of his stuff comes back to, to dwell upon, which is yeah, his, his dad was like, you know what? No, you're not—you're uh, not what I want in my life, yeah. son. Son. Yeah. Should we? You should be like the other synth, synth pop album, son. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but I have a how much angst for this. Oh, as well. good. So you want to ask me? How much angst is he feeling in this song? He's feeling the angst of a guy who says he's fine with a polyamorous relationship, but is really just taking whatever he can get. <laughs> Which is something that hits a little close to home for me. But, yeah, I mean, you ever been there where it's like, oh, yeah, is that open, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I think a lot surely, of us have been there. surely this is going to work fine. This will um, be fine. Yep, yep. But I really, really love Last. It's one of my top five Nine Inch Nails songs. It's period. so good. It is so good. And I think there was, like, controversy later on because, like, um, some some rip-off band, like Godsmack, recorded the same riff in a different song. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so that's how good this is, is it's like, it's a raw... Godsmack like, ripped off everybody. They did. God, I fucking I mean, their them. whole, their band name is a Alice in Chains song. Yep. <laughs> Come on. Come on! Come on! Anyway, um, let's move on to... Oh, I, have, I had a couple notes oh, on oh, last. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. plow yep, through yep. It's a perfect S&M dungeon soundtrack. Honestly, like, you could you could flog somebody at, like, any tempo, and, and it would match up. Like, you're either going with the guitar, or you're going with the drum. You know, you could flog someone at any speed. Um, and I think I think this is the first mention of pigs ever, is it? Maybe. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe the only time. Bam, 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 the devil wants to fuck me in the back of his pig. No. Car. Yeah, no. Uh, but, but there, there might be a, that song is kind of conceptual and weird. Like there might have been a pig in there. There may this, have. This been. might be the first mention of pigs. I think it is because I think I remember hearing it when I went. I did a, a listen through recently, and I remember hearing pig and thinking, "Is this the first time we hear pig?" I think so. It won't be the last, last. time. <laughs> All right. So coming up next, we have "Help Me, I Am in Hell." Which is, you know, it's, a, it's another instrumental track, so we're gonna do this. It's pretty quiet. Just let it, we let it go for a bit. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I like the way he processes the guitars here. It sounds very, it sounds very spaced out. Well, I keep like sitting back to like give it space, but what I like about this song is that it sounds a lot like Fragile. Yeah. The album. Like it has, it has a lot of that sound to it. A lot of layers, yeah. Like you can hear deep down there, there's like a bass drum buried underneath all this other reverb. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, 
apparently the end of this song has a sample from The Empire Strikes Back. What? Yeah. It's like not credited. Wait, where and what sample? I don't know. Oh shit, I forgot something from Pinion. Let's go back. <laughs> We're doing this extemporaneously. I wrote it down, our, but I wrote it really small. Our timeline is uh, broken. <laughs> so, we're going to have a, a Bowie moment. <gasps> so, apparently, um, at the end of Pinion, he reverse samples from Bowie's It's No Game. Whoa. I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know that one. But, that's yeah, pretty like, cool. That's, that's another thing about this album. There's a lot of hidden little bonuses and that's that's another thing that will recur a bunch with Trent because like he'll have albums that drop in conjunction with other multimedia. Mm-hmm. Like there was the Broken Movie, which is like every music video plus like an overarching story that ties them all together somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we're gonna slam into happiness in slavery. Dance break. <laughs> oh, God damn. Yeah. So this, this actually was the lead single of the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it had very limited play because, I mean, listen to it. Yeah. And then also the music video has like some uncensored wieners and blood and guts. Oh, this. the bass here? Very downward spiral. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's like the first song I feel that like kind of hints towards what the next thing is going to sound like. Personally, I think Slave Screams might be the greatest sound ever emitted by Trent Reznor. <laughs> that might be it. And sort of a, I don't know, this song always puts me in sort of a, sort of an analytical mood. Because like, sadomasochism is kind of a political metaphor when you think about it. Because, like, as we go about our lives, like, every power relationship we have with, like, our employers, our government, whoever, it's a relationship defined by dominance and submission, right? Uh Like, one person's up, one person's down. And there's sort of a self-destructive joy of laying down your independence and not making your own decisions and having your life be controlled. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's the happiness and slavery maybe he's talking about, is, like, by no longer having to worry about our own independence, there's like this, there's this glee, like, oh, perfect, I can just, I can just be this slave. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think for myself anymore, you know? And I think also this is a total fuck you to um, TBT Records. Mm-hmm. Trent really is like, it's, it's funny how mild he is in interviews, because like he, his, his uh, artistic persona is so like bratty. Yeah, like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he, has, he almost has like diss tracks, <laughs> which, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. That's great. I agree. All right. So, um, so yeah, the slave says he has his own identity. So, like, is Reznor the slave? Slave says he has something he wants to say. You know, so that's Reznor being artistically bound to TV tunes, mm-hmm. wanting more down in it, wanting more rain go away. Um, and I think Reznor must have really thought this is the darkest and the nastiest he would ever go, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, the music video for this is a guy getting ground up into sausage, Ugh. like, and it's got a total, like, breakdown right here. And then it has, like, this real clang and boom to it, like, industrial machinery, like, you can see pistons and, and oil dripping and blood and cum and, uh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe you see it, maybe you don't. Um... <laughs> But yeah, um, I think it might be time for me to, to lay my impression on you for this week. Oh yeah? Alright, are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Alright. <clears throat> Impressions. <clears throat> Hi, Billy Mays here with another amazing product from TYT Records. Has this ever happened to you? Slave Screams thinks he knows what he wants! But let me tell you, I have found, you can find, happiness in slavery. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Internet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyways. Yeah. (laughs) 
just just something about the I found you can find. And I was like, wait a minute, that's almost like a sales pitch. <laughs> and then also once I put the puzzle piece of like TV tunes, like they he sold these records on like infomercials, and I was uh, like, wait, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, so that's the origin of uh, Billy Resner. Maze. Oh my god. That was wow. great. I, I yelled so much, I'm kind of high. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like, I need to like. So, um, oh. any more notes on happiness and slavery? Yeah, apparently this song was sampled by someone called Strapping Young Lad. Oh yeah, that's a shitty metal band. For like, a song I guess called Centipede. Yeah, I, Human Centipede? No, not Human Centipede. So, I think I saw Strapping Young Lad at Ozfest one time. Oh, really? And they have like a really dumb crowd chant. They go, S-Y-L, S-Y-L. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's weird. Because um, like, they're only one syllable greater than that. They could have just said Strapping, strapping Young, young Lad. lad. <laughs> but also, like, how dumb is Strapping Young Lad as a band name? It's, it's very bad. dumb. All right. You know how to destroy angels, I'll tell you. Oh, wow. Oh, getting way ahead. Getting way ahead. Way, way ahead. All right, maybe I can uh, drop in a couple interview quotes. Trent Reznor. I wanted Broken to be really angry through and through, like a punch in the face. I didn't want to convolute that message with slow parts or dance tracks. Basically, Broken was me saying fuck you to everybody. It's <laughs> a lot I don't enjoy about the competitive and backstabbing nature of the music business. So, see. This Trent Reznor is such a fucking brat. Uh-huh. He's such a brat. But, but like, for good reason. Yeah, and, and he grows into, like, sort of an elder statesman of the electronic genre. But, like, right now, this is, like, his edgiest. Uh, fame being put on a pedestal just to be immediately taken off is a drag. And I don't think my skin is tough enough to deal with it most of the time. So he's got kind of thin skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, but he knows that about himself, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, next we've got Gave Up. Are you ready for Gave Up? Yes, this uh, is probably my favorite song in this album. Oh, you like it a lot? Yeah. It's interesting because, like, at the opening, it sounds a little bit pretty hate machine. It, all, it sounds very downward spiral, though. Oh, you're right. All right, here it comes. Yeah, that's total March of the Pigs. But, like, the processed vocals. Yeah. That's, that sort of reminds me of Pretty Hate Machine. Oh, yeah, yeah. He wanted this song to sound like an ultra fast chunk of death for the listener. Oh, would you? That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. yeah. What? We can't hear you, Trent. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the chorus is like there's a total break. Yeah. Which is about to hit. Maybe like two more right minutes. love song in a way. Uh, it took you to make me see the light, you know? Like it's well, kind of a positive message. It's like an anti-love song. The whole like, so the what he's saying in this chunk Yeah. it's like smashed up my sanity, smashed up my integrity, smashed up all I believed in, smashed up what's left of me. Mm-hmm. That's not a love song. <laughs> I guess not. Wait, <laughs> so, I have a how much angst for this mm-hmm. one actually. Go ahead and ask. How much angst? Um, it has the angst of a frustrated keyboard player who wants to take the band in a more jazzy direction. Because <laughs> there's a couple points in here where they have little synths of but it's kind of washed out and played under the intensity of the. I just think drum. of the and all that could have been performance. Yeah, I guess it's not a love song. No, not absolutely not at all. Um, it's a fast-paced chunk of death. Fast-paced chunk of death. Um, yeah, when Trent saw the James Addiction electronic press kit, in which Dave Navarro and Terry Farrell were making out, he was into the shock value of that. So he just found a little part of subculture that hadn't necessarily been exploited yet, the whole S&M thing, and he grabbed it and attached it to his own aesthetic. Richard Patrick. Filter. Yeah. Guitar guy. Guitar guy. Does he appear in the music videos? I don't... I think so. He, Richard Patrick just looks like a generic white guy, right. so and I don't... Right, in the music video, there's a guy with, like, he's got, like, a do-rag and dreads. 
So I don't know if that was him. Anyways. Yeah, I don't pay, I don't know. This is a section called We Should Have Done Our Homework. We did. We, we did a lot of homework. I just don't give a shit about Richard Patrick. You know, I don't give a shit about him. So okay. like, is Thank he? You. Is he in the video? I don't know. Who cares? Somebody write us and tell us. Oh my god, care. though. So when we get to, we're almost there. When we get to the broken movie, <laughs> one of the, I mean, again, it was one of those things that was produced clandestinely and like had to get released on the down low because it was like so so graphic. Uh, but what's amazing about it is. They don't actually know who produced it. Like, there's, there's no credits. Like, uh-huh. the, the cast is like a total mystery. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's only a few names that they know that are attached to the project. You know, that's so it's funny. like it's it's like a secret thing. And and that's again, so like it's the sort of super subculture where you had to be like deep deep underground to get all this stuff because it's like not even available. You know, mm-hmm. Trent was doing this like totally pirate style. Yeah. Which is, yeah. So this is Trent at his well at his earliest and edgiest. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it for the original tracks on here. Yeah. The, the next two were covers. The next two were covers, and they did the thing that I really hate that artists were doing in the 90s, which is, like, they had tracks 7 through 97 were just, like, a second of silence. Yeah, artists To do, love, like, hidden tracks. Yeah, artists love fucking shit. with CDs in the 90s. Um, so this was track number 98. Eat your heart out, Steve. Oh, wait, that's at 27 seconds. Yeah. I'll crank it up. Right, ready. This is the cover of Adam and the Ants, or so physical. I don't know if you can hear it, but we heard it. <laughs> it's cute. Like, like how much Trent Reznor will, will shit talk TYT records, but when it comes to actually saying fuck you, Steve, he buries it yeah. as low as he can. But I think this this did come out. Was this the first release on Nothing Records? Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, I think he finally was able to uh, sort of uh, have a bit more artistic license to do crazy. There's a lot more fucks on this album. Many way, more fucks. Way more fucks. I didn't do a tally, but I mean, there's like yeah, there's ten, a lot of fucks. Ten or more. <laughs> At least ten fucks. I don't think the word love appears anywhere. I don't think so. Yeah. So that's two albums, and there's one utterance of the word love between them. Um, a fun little thing about this song. Right. Apparently, he played this song live with Adam Ant twice in 1995, and Adam uh, has been quoted as saying, like, during the live show, it's nice to be on stage with the best fucking band in the world. Aww. So that's really sweet. That's sweet. You know, uh, listening to this, I kind of miss guitar Trent. You know, picturing Trent actually strumming power chords. Yeah. You don't get that. Like, when I saw Trent, you know, you don't get Guitar Trent anymore. Guitar Trent was an artifact of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Maybe once in a while you get a glimpse of Guitar Trent. But uh, now he's always synth Trent when he's on stage. He's always, yeah. he's always tickling the keys. Or you even get, like, a, a tambourine or maraca Trent. Yeah. I mean, Trent. then you just got to see him play Wish or Gave Up because he's definitely Guitar Trent. And actually, that. when I saw him at the Lights in the Sky tour, he had, like, this maraca on a stick. <laughs> it was, like, an extended handle maraca. And he was doing Hey Pig, so it was... He was, like, shaking this, like, shamanic staff. As oh, my like, God. Hey Pig. I think he just plays the instruments that everyone else in the band would be too embarrassed to play. <laughs> Which speaks to his integrity. He's, he's, a, he's a team player. I think it's adorable. So this is that slow motion droning guitar. Like they played it twice as fast and then played it at half speed so that it has like this kind of sleepy like... (laughs) Shoegaze before shoegaze. Maybe. (laughs) So I also wanted to mention that Steve Gottlieb is a fucking douchebag (laughs) and I don't like him. And I just found out he existed today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And my only sources for information are like... um, the history of TYT records, his own Wikipedia page, and then Trent Reznor just saying, eat your heart out, Steve. Yeah. But can we just have a quick segment, fuck you, Steve? Sure. Steve Gottlieb is a fucking douchebag. And I read his Wikipedia page, and it's, like, so painfully self-authored. Like, he describes himself as, like, an an electronic music pioneer and an entrepreneur and all these, like, really self-indulgent things. Um, And he, he takes every possible claim to fame and every appearance he's ever done 
in 2001, he was featured in a commercial for Credit Suisse during the Super Bowl, like, where he was cited as a successful and visionary media slash technology entrepreneur. Like, he definitely wrote that. Mm -hmm. Like, how else, like, that messaging is, like, so fucking on brand for him. And then, it's just, it's embarrassing. And he has a whole section about his, his startup investments. No one asked for that, Steve. And then he has a segment called his music career, which is just him fucking compiling TV themes onto albums and just reaping money from, like, retired homes of people who just wanted to hear the MASH soundtrack. <laughs> Suicide is painless. Yeah. And then also the way he describes him releasing this TV theme album is, like, so self-mythologizing and heroic. With his belief that TV theme music in its original form was ready to be enjoyed and appreciated by consumers, Gottlieb revealed a, signific a significant previously untapped demand for the genre with the release of television's greatest hits. Like, what a fucking masturbatory thing is that, man. Honestly. I guess you're not on, on board with this. But I'm spacing out. You. Well, because we already talked about all this. But I'm sure the listener might care about how much you hate this guy. <laughs> Books team. <laughs> Alright, should we move on to the last song? Um, yeah. Last up, we've got Suck, which is a pig face yep. cover. Yep. But Trent performed with pig face a bunch, yep. right? Yep, they have their own version of the song that's pretty different. This is jogging my memory. I think this is the first sound, the first, uh, song I heard off of Broken. Really? It kind of shaped my idea of Broken. And this is like, clearly not as heavy. I mean, it gets there. It's, it's very, mm -hmm. it builds a lot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's got that kind of like, pretty hate machine hip hop thing going. Both just kind of like bobbing back and forth, staring <laughs> off into nothing. The baseline is just, <laughs> it's it's just, just so hypnotic, good. man. <laughs> I like it a lot. Uh, I love this song too. Oh, here we go. Grant very frequently wants to know how things feel. Yeah. I have stuff. a major, major head rush. I've been doing way too much head banging and shouting for this album. Yeah. Or, or I've been doing just the right amount. <laughs> if there's going to be any point in the Nine Inch Nails discography, I'm going to fucking scream and go bananas. It's it's broken. Yep. I mean, his, his later work is so much more sophisticated and has so much more going on. But broken is just totally fucking raw, dude. Yes. Um, and yeah, like, one of the best and creepiest descriptions I heard of... of um, Broken is some reviewer, I think Rolling Stone maybe said, Broken is, is harrowing like a, an account of a rape. Oh. <laughs> and, and I'm hoping that person had the sensitivity to understand it. Anyway, uh, trigger warning. But yeah, like it's, it's, just, it's so fucking heavy. And every single song is just about abuse and exploitation and submission. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a punch in the face, just mm -hmm. the way Trent envisioned it. Oh yeah, this whole part. This is pure downward spiral. Yeah, the whispering. I think they sampled like a subway. A subway station? No, a sandwich shop. Shut up! <laughs> Oh, here, upcoming is the guitar solo I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, it wasn't in give, Gave Up.
those songs, like, when you hear it on the on the album version, it kind of sounds like they're like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. When you see it live, like, the guitar is just like, dun 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 Like, they're playing it so fucking fast. Mm-hmm. So it must be another one that they, like, sped up and slowed I down. I think, yeah, these, the two cover songs. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, because this is the album where Trent Reznor really comes into his own and makes his mark on the music landscape. Yeah. And he does it with two covers. Yeah. <laughs> of, like, similar artists. Yeah, well, I mean, one of, one of which he participated right. in. Totes. Pretty cool. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Just, That's the end just, of the album. Just, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, it isn't. Oh, yeah. We got, we got one more. The fun little part at the end. This is so you can do your own rap. My name's Ben Resna, and I'm here to say. Nope, I don't rap. <laughs> no. Don't, don't like that. <laughs> so, um. This had a really dumb thought. Please. No, like, you think <laughs> like, I'm censoring myself? My name's myself? Trent Reznor, and I'm here to say, rain, rain, go, go away. away. <laughs> Come again some other day. The itsy bitsy spiders. Wait, how the fuck does that one even go? It's just climb up the water spout. Down in rain. And wash the spider out. Fuck, 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 fuck. Yep. <laughs> you are not a rapper. Yeah, that's true. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. All right. And that's it. That's it. That is broken. And it's it's so short but sweet. It's like half an hour, eight tracks, but like so, so intense. Yeah. It was, it's a wild ride. It's definitely a landmark album. It's like injecting speed into your eye. I feel like exhausted from having listened to and watched and listened to Dude, broken yeah, I'm all drained. Day. I feel like this episode so, is almost so like tired. suffering because we're so, we're so fucking burned out. It's but like so in heavy. a good way. No, yeah, it's like it's like a an afterglow. Yep. After like some really good S and M. Speaking of, so the Broken album dropped in '92, and I think in '93 is when the Broken movie started circulating. Um, and it's madness. It's I mean, so it's an it's art. Insanity. It's insanity. It's an art film, and uh, it's on on Ninwiki. It says it's presented as a snuff film. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I was like, I mean. How can something be presented as a snuff film? And then when you're watching it, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... Oh. (laughs) Yeah. It's basically, like... um, What was that really horrible, I think, Dutch movie? It's just, like, a collection of snuff scenes. Um, Dancer in the Dark. No. That has Bjork. I know. You brat. Um, No, it's, like, a real... Fuck. Okay. It's, like... A mix between this movie, there's like scenes where like this woman, like this guy's like fucking a woman from behind and then he just like slits her throat. It's a crazy movie. But it's like a combination of like that and like VHS. I'm going to find, I'm going to do some Googling while you talk about the movie. So yeah, like just a spoiler alert, I really think any fan of Nine Inch Nails should watch this because it is a fucking ride. It's a ride, but it Um, is. I'll, I'll break a little bit of it down, especially the early part, like, um... So it starts out with, like, sort of traditional, like, music video cinematography. Like, we're given all these shots of, like, uh, like a dude's head and then, like, a rope around his neck. And you're just seeing parts of what's going on. And it's really intense, like, macro focus. And then you see, like, oh, there's this guy who's about to get executed. Like, they have an executioner pull the trap door. And then he drops down with, like, this maniacal grin on his face. Um, And so it's like, oh, this isn't really presented like a snuff film. What are they talking about? Mm -hmm. But then... It cuts to this completely separate thing where it's like a... So my my impression of what a snuff film is, is like, it looks like shit. It's shot on like a home video camera. Mm-hmm. The lighting is horrible. Like the angles are all very chilling and there's like just... It, it's hor- it looks like It looks like death. Yep. Um, and that's what they actually managed to achieve with this. It's like, it's yeah. like a VHS tape of a demented serial killer, like dragging some dude down into his basement, tying him to a chair, forcing him to watch Nine Inch Nails videos. And then just like... Brutally. Flogging him, stabbing him, fucking the hole he just made with the stabbing. Yeah, it's crazy. The movie that I was thinking of is called A Serbian Film. Oh, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that's the one. I will not be putting a link to that on the website. Lars von Trio. No, no. I like Lars. Lars von Trio. He's fucked up, but I like him a lot. Oh, Jesus. Can I talk about the. So I guess there was never an official music video for Pinion. That's the really quiet, like, build up to the album. Bow, bow, bow. Um, so they, there was like a music video, like it starts with like 
a bathroom, just a, a fucking bathroom. Uh-huh. And then it, it closes in on a toilet, and then you get flushed down the toilet. With some, it, like, black Some substance. Stuff. It's not poo, I guess. It's, I don't know yeah, what it is. It's probably, like, blue food coloring. Yeah. It's in black and white. Sure. Yeah, it's like Hershey syrup. <laughs> yeah. Psycho style. But then it, it traces the pipe down and down, like, through the subterranean. And then it has, like, close-ups on gauges and things, so it's very industrial. Um, but then it gets all the way down to the bottom, and huge spoiler alert here. Huge spoiler alert. Huge spoiler alert. The pipe is connected to the mouth of a gimp suit with the dude on the other side totally eating the shit, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And, yeah, when I first saw that, it was just like... What the fuck? <laughs> it got me. It got me hard. Yeah. So like, I was not. No, I don't mean it. It, got, it didn't get me hard. It. It, <laughs> it, it didn't make me hard. It, did it not, got me. It hard. did not cause me to become erect, but <laughs> it had an impact on me. Well, it made me hard. So, so, um, another great point. So there's a lot of a lot of weird. So it's very very dark and chilling. The broken movie. Um, but there's a few moments that sort of like are like a wink and a nod of like sort of black humor, mm-hmm. like um, like the music video for Wish gets played, you know the boo do 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 do, and yeah. then it's um, he says, "What's the line with fist fuck?" I don't actually know the line. Okay, but the word fist fuck uh, <laughs> is uttered, and the serial killer is like s- sitting and watching the music video on his TV and rewinds and plays. Fist fuck, rewind play. Fist fuck, rewind yeah. play. Fist fuck. Uh-huh. And then he, he, like, leisurely looks over at his victim and then, like, caresses his hand a little bit. And that, that's, that, it was like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> it was like this sick kind of humor. And uh, so Trent later went on to do a soundtrack for Natural Born Killers uh-huh. or contribute to it. I think there's a song. Yeah. Burn. So I think that's sort of a natural evolution of this because he's like fascinated by like S and M and hallucinations and and murder and mm-hmm. and all this dark shit. I don't know if I've ever seen Natural Born Killers. It's actually my favorite Woody Harrelson film. Yeah, I should watch it before we mention that, just because I want to. Um. Um. So yeah, um, the music video for Wish is like I said, it's a ton of people just having the party of the century um, in this goth club. But the way they're just, like, climbing around on these jungle gyms and cages, like, my neck hurts just, like, looking at them. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, God. <laughs> I hope they got paid well. Um, I'm sure they did. And it's also one of the first times there's, like, this... So there's this dude who's, like, strapped up to a ring, right? Wearing, like, a diaper. It's almost like a crucifixion. Yeah. And, yeah, there's, like, a symbolic use of a black person for that. He's the only black person in the video, and he's tied up to a big ring. I don't know why. Huh. Like, it's an odd choice. I and have no idea. And there's, like... In Closer, there's the guy with the top hat who also shows up. So there's, like, this surreal use of a black body. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not much... I'm not, like, an art major, so I don't know much to say about it. Other than <laughs> everyone else is, like... Just, a surreal use of a black body. Surreal use of a black dude? I don't know. Um, but then, yeah, they break down the gates and they charge and, like, m- murder the band. So it's like, oh, these guys... Why did they show up to this concert if right. they just hate Nine Inch Nails so much? Well, it didn't seem like a show. It seemed like they were just crawling around, like, trying to get at them. Yes. Yes, it's true. Like a Mad Max style. Song. Oh, it was, it was totally Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was some Thunderdome shit. Mm. Um, and then there was the music video for Help Me, I'm in Hell, which yeah. is the guy in like the tuxedo, uh. like cutting, slowly cutting and eating a steak and drinking a glass of wine. Sounds, sounds fine, right? Uh. Everything's covered in flies. Covered in flies. He's flies. Flies. <laughs> flies. 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 Um, so yeah, everything is covered in flies. And, and I was eating black olive covered pizza. Oh jeez, oh, I'm know. sorry. I just like couldn't. I was like, what am I doing right now? I don't even have a fly problem. Like in my like to me, I mean they're gross, but like they're but, just doing oh. their job, man. I mean something has to eat poop. Oh, but just like the one on his tongue. Oh yeah. Oh, God. So yeah, like what stood out to me is how that was like intercut. With like brief flashes of the same tuxedo clad guy uh-huh. now in a gimp in like a S and M costume with leather and the blinders and the nipple clamps and everything. Uh-huh. So it's intercut. And what was interesting to me is like how blase and bored the guy looked when he was like in his tuxedo eating his steak, drinking his wine. Mm-hmm. And then like how happy and free he looked when he was in his S and M gear. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like kind of a central metaphor here. Cause like it's, you know, this guy eating his steak in his tuxedo, it's like 
it's this kind of self-indulgence that society allows you to do, but it's tainted, you know, because it's like, it's, it's restrictive and it's, and it's self-destructive in a way. And it's like, um, we disguise that as like normalcy. So he has, mm-hmm. he's like, he's eating these flies and just like, this is fine. This makes me happy. This is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's intercut with him like expressing himself and doing what he actually wants to do. And there's no flies anywhere. Yeah. You know? Not a, not a one of them. No corruption. No nothing. Mm-hmm. So I, my thesis is the S&M brand of submission is rebellious compared to the kind of submission that we do every day by, you know, conforming to capitalist society, man. Because in, in sadomasochism, it's almost revolutionary because you define your own tastes and you're free to express yourself outside of social norms. You know, it's, it's, it's emancipating. So that's what I had to say. <laughs> uh, so there's like a darker repressed, like, so when, you know, when you're, when you're going to school or your job or whatever, there's less, sort of this, like, this undercurrent of like sexual tension everywhere, right? Yeah. In a way. Yep. I mean, it doesn't, you know, we, we, we press it down, but it's, it's there, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, there's, like, any institution or hierarchy sort of has, like, one person's up, one person's down. So, S&M. I mean, that's sadism. Marquis de Sade was also a very political writer because all of his, like, fucked up sex fantasies were always about, like, governors and priests and things, which um, which we get to see in the Happiness and Slavery music video. Mm-hmm. There's this priest dude oh. who's played by a professional uh, torture artist. Oh, nice. And um, he he takes off his little habit and collar. What do you, is there like a word for a priest collar? I have. You are asking yeah. the absolutely wrong, wrong person. Wrong heathen. Yep. Um, <laughs> so he takes off his priestly garb, and then he, then he sits down in like a dentist chair almost. But uh, then, like this machine slowly begins torturing him. Yeah, like, it drives nails into his hands. Well, first it, it's like the grabber machine from the arcade that's like gently grabbing him. <laughs> The claw. The claw. But then, it, yeah, it starts like driving nails and then just like screwing into him and. Yeah, there's drills, a lot of puncturing. Yeah. He's getting penetrated in a bunch of ways. Uh, and then the thing that like. There's the yeah the nut cupper. The nut up. cupper, but then the, the, like towards the end, the thing that like comes up and hits him in the junk. Yeah, what what is that about? Just junk pain. Yeah. He just really wanted that junk pain. Yeah, a lot, of, then, a lot of dick torture in this. And then the the chair, I guess, just grounds him up into meat. Gr- grounded meat. Um, so like, so yeah, like that's, it's pretty self-explanatory. Like, again, it's like this darker repressed thing that ends up destroying this, because like that's... Oh, but he had the awesome, um, sorry to cut you off. No, please. He had that awesome, like, Jesus thorn, like, head of thorns tattoo, like, around his groin. I didn't even see that. Yeah, it was like right above his dick. You were too bad, you were too busy looking at his dick and you didn't see right above his dick. Penis. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) (laughs) so at the end of happiness he just like whispers happiness a lot so shia thought it would be funny (laughs) so that's what shia did today that's what i did with my time today and here's my impression of shia doing that every time he said penis i'd be like (laughs) <laughs> Shut up! Stop! <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Shut up, Beavis! I'm trying to look at this penis. I'm not contributing any humor to this episode, but you're killing it. I mean, it, it's rough. Like, it's hard finding a lot of humor in this. I know. It does remind me of the time um, one of my exes and I went to see Alien vs. Predator Requiem, Requiem in the theater on Christmas, whatever year it came out, like 08 maybe, and there's a scene, spoiler alert, there's a scene where this kid and his dad are going through the woods and then like the face grabber or whatever like uh. gets the kid and it's it's got the kid and in that moment I said out loud, oh that kid's getting face fucked and then this guy sitting behind us like half turns towards me and he's like i'm so hard right now (laughs) (laughs) that's how you met your husband (laughs) that's how that's how i met your mom (laughs) what's that show how i met your mother with doogie hauser okay i've never seen it apparently it's a cultural touchstone i 
can't. That's the thing. I, I've never, like, this show isn't the story of me being a social outcast and then discovering a culture I fit in with and now I'm, like, well-adjusted and normal. Like, mm-hmm. that, I still am pretty much hopelessly out of touch with pop culture. And it's, <laughs> it's not on purpose. I just, I like weird things and it doesn't, it doesn't fit. <laughs> no, that's fine. There's a lot of pop culture stuff that I intentionally stay away from. But at least neither of us have any interest in Big Bang Theory. Ugh. It's, uh, they, they call it the equivalent of nerd blackface. It's, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't compare anything. I mean, don't anything. compare anything to blackface. I was just going to say, I'm not going to compare anything to blackface, but. But just the phoniness of it. It is and definitely. Like cashing in on these stereotypes. Yeah, it's Nerd face. terrible, terrible, No, terrible that's show. so bad. Yeah, it seems horrible. And actually, you should check it out on YouTube. You can watch Big Bang Theory. I almost said Pretty Hate Machine. You can watch Big Bang Theory without a laugh track, and it's like chillingly bad. Oh, good. Like, if you're not being encouraged to laugh at every throwaway line then it's the least watchable show ever made and yet it's like winning emmys every year as like best daytime tv dads love it dads love it yeah apparently dads Dads love it wow Um, (laughs) so where were we so we we were getting through the the broken movie oh yeah 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 yeah, which is 20 minutes of just rape um and murder lots of murder I'll put um, it on and, the website. <laughs> and the serial killer dude after the happiness and slavery video, or I guess we get gave up, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, after the, all the music videos have wrapped, he proceeds to go to the dramatic climax and like kill his victim with a fucking chainsaw and then also stab him and then fuck the holes and then like cut, literally cut out his heart and eat it. Yeah. And it's done... In almost a convincing way, when like I reflected on it afterward, and it's like I kind of just did watch a snuff movie. Yeah, like uh, the only difference is I I'm pretty confident no one actually died. I did watch it, and like there were there were scenes where I was just like, how did they fake this? Yeah, it's it's super well done, which is like it's almost tragic how we don't know who made this. Like yeah. it was filmed and directed by Peter Christofferson, uh, based on a scenario by Trent Reznor. Um, it's a companion piece to Broken, featuring its songs and music videos. And, yeah, like, we don't know at all. Much of the cast, aside from Bob Flanagan, the performance artist in Happiness and Slavery, mm-hmm. um, is unknown. The film we is... for- we hmm? forgot to mention the best part of Happiness and Slavery. Oh, that's right. At the very end, Trent Reznor shows up. Right. And, like, starts getting ready to go is that what it was? onto the machine. Yeah. Uh, so he, he comes like, into the He, like, grabbed scene. a candle like the other guy did. Oh. He was like preparing to do. He comes the into the thing. same torture pit where he's about to get mm-hmm. ground up into into meat. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought, what, my reading of that was different. I wasn't. Pay, I was probably paying less attention because mm-hmm. there wasn't a wiener on screen anymore for me to, right. to look at. Penis. Uh, penis. Um, so I thought Trent was coming in and sort of revealed himself to be like the man behind the curtain, like he was operating the machine. Oh. I thought he was operating the machine, like he's the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But no, I think you I were right. He was I think going he followed. Yeah, it. he followed the same little symbolic pattern. He was with the candle yeah then we didn't get to see trent naked bummer or his wiener man yeah i know another fucking uh, episode where there's no trent wiener so then it cuts back to the 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 meta story of the serial killer killing the dude Mm -hmm. um then the police raid the raid the place and they see like all these you know blood and guts and bones and apparently the Mm -hmm. killer was eating what he fucked and killed uh he did it all there was even like a direct reference to Dahmer because there's like Mm -hmm. a severed head in the fridge Mm -hmm. um and then it cuts back to the guy getting hanged, and we now we know it's the serial killer who's been caught, and he has this maniacal grin on his face, and it kind of all adds up in that moment because capital punishment is kind of the ultimate fulfillment of an S and M killer's demented fantasy. You know, Whoa. like he wants to, to yeah. punish, punish and murder and rape and kill, and then he wants to die himself at the hand of the state, which is even bigger and meaner and more S and M than him. You know? Yeah, I didn't even catch that. He's, like, fulfilled in that moment. He's like, this is I was wondering I mean. why the guy was smiling. I didn't even catch on to the fact that it was the same guy. And that's, like, this movie is good. It's like, good. It has, like, meaning. Wow, and, they like, did it. plot and symbolism. And, and yeah, it's really, but all, and also it's a fucking convincing snuff film. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, I mean, not for the faint of heart, but yeah. if you already like and love Nine Inch Nails, please. If you don't mind watching a convincing death scene, it's, fucking check yeah, it out. It's, uh, it's on point. Uh-huh. A little creeped out. Uh-huh. Not, uh, not feeling it. <laughs> not feeling it. So this album dropped, wait, in, wait, 90, wait, wait. This album dropped in 92, yeah? <laughs> yeah? I wonder what other musicians were up to 
around that time. Oh, yeah. Let's check in with our favorite weird little lady. Compared to Bjork. Okay, so in 92, Bjork was actually going through a lot of the same stuff that Trent Reznor was. And I'm really glad when I see this because it, it solidifies my crackpot theory that <laughs> they're somehow linked or they're yeah. somehow like twins separated at birth. Yeah. They're, they're like the same person expressing themselves in a different part of the world. Um, so in 92, she was still touring with Sugar Cubes, but she was, she was done. She was checked out of that band. She wanted to explore herself as a solo artist, uh, but she, like, due to a contract, was obligated to release one more album. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's pretty much the same little relationship that Trent was having with TYT, which is just like, they won't sell, but he won't compromise himself. Yeah. So, so Bjork basically made one of her, I think, Sugar Cube's highest regarded album, uh, which was, what is it, Stick Around for Joy mm -hmm. in 92. And, uh, also, what's interesting is, so it dropped in 92, same year as Broken, uh -huh. and then six months later, just like Broken, a remix album dropped as well as a companion piece crazy. to stick around for joy. So their creative trajectories are so similar. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I wanted to make a few more notes about Bjarsk. Um <laughs> In 86, she did probably the most Icelandic thing ever. She was, she played... In a movie called The Juniper Tree, a tale of witchcraft based on the Brothers Grimm, directed by Nietzsche Keen, Bjork played the role of Margit, a girl whose mother had been killed for practicing witchcraft. Is very sad. That's very sad. <laughs> um, and yeah, then she... What's, what's also interesting is she was doing a bunch of uh, side projects, kind of like Trent was, like he was working with Pig Face a little bit, working with Ministry a little bit. Um, Bjork recorded Glinglo. Uh, which is a popular collection of jazz, which is actually her best-selling album in Iceland. <laughs> like, Iceland kind of checked out of her, like, Glinglo was, I guess, her, her zenith. That's ridiculous. Um, for, for Iceland. Glinglo. Um, so, that's been Compared to Bjork. Compared to Bjork. Okay. So, <laughs> and, uh, I think we kind of... I think that's it. it. I think we got through this. Yeah. This big broken machine. Talk. All right, Claire, let's bring this episode home. All right, let's wrap it up. Quick note, we were so burned out at the end of this that we just had to take a break. This is actually our third take on the ending cuz after the emotional roller coaster that is broken, we we couldn't even remember like who we were. We felt broken. We were broken by broken. Yep. So, Shia took a shower, I took a nap, we're back. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, so if you have anything that you want to say to us... <laughs> what? If you want to get in touch, if you have anything to suggest, if there's a segment you like or hate... Yeah, please. comment on things. We love the comments on SoundCloud. We love, hearing, like, we love the tweets, the Facebook posts. The emails. I haven't checked the email, actually. We oh. might have a backlog of emails. Oh. You'll just have to stay tuned and find out next week. We'll have tons of time next week. It's yep. going to be a short album. It's going to be a short time. If you want more pictures of Oliver the Cat, you're in luck. You're going to get more pictures of Oliver. If you don't want more pictures of Oliver the too Cat... Too bad. Tough too shit. fucking bad. He's my bae, and I'm actually holding him right now. Do you have anything to say, Oliver? He actually was, he was really vocal during Happiness and Slavery. Yeah. He doesn't have anything to say, but I'm holding him. So um, please reach out, talk to us at a trenttalkpod at gmail dot com. Yeah, want to keep things keep things confidential, and we can we can reference you on the podcast if you desire. Yeah, you can message us on Facebook. We're on Facebook at Trent Talk. Oh my god, Trent Talk Pod. <laughs> you can do it. Um, I got this. I can do it. I swear. Um, comment on our posts. We want to hear from you. Or, like, don't. Like, no pressure. But, like, if you have something to say, definitely say it. You yeah, can... I love when people post little quips on SoundCloud. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's like, as I'm listening to the app, or as others are listening to the app, they can enjoy your wit as well as our own. It, it builds the product. Yeah, you know, and man? I love I love seeing the comments. I love having the little conversations with the fans. Um, Help us make better content. Yes. Because we are all about Yeah, what content. segments do you love? Do you love 
impressions? Do you want to hear more how much angst? Do you have an impression you, do you have or how, much, how angst? much angst? Do you have how much angst? We will read your how much angst, even if it's behind. Do you have a how much angst from down in it? Fucking, I would love to read it. Do you have an impression that you can record and send to us? I would love to hear it. We'll put it on the thing. Like, let's do it. This will be fun. I just inhaled a little bit of Oliver. Oh, yeah. His fluff is everywhere. Um, yeah. So, it's just like all over my face. Um. So don't wait. Call <laughs> us now at 1999 99.9 Inch Nails for only nine easy payments of 999 9 Inch Nails. Yeah. Also, um, this Wednesday, I will be doing a piggyback playlist. So you can look forward to that. We're going to be talking about 1992. I wanted to count Broken as one of the LPs because we love it so much. So why not? And then next Sunday, we're going to be talking about Fixed. Mm-hmm. And hopefully a lot of other stuff. Otherwise, it'll be a short episode. <laughs> it's not my favorite, but you know, whatever. We'll did we, did we say happy birthday to our buddy Russ? Oh, yeah. It's our friend Russ's birthday. Happy birthday, happy Russ. Happy birthday. Hope you're having a good one, pal. It and, is uh, your birthday, period. Yeah, um, and if, for people who are unfamiliar with Nine Inch Nails but are somehow listening to this podcast anyway, please listen to Broken. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. And for people who already know and love Nine Inch Nails, please watch the movie. It'll fuck you up. Oh my god. I'll put it on the website. It's cray. It will mess up your life. Yeah. But it, in a good way, I think. I don't I know. I, it, we've only had like an hour or so to process it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. Thanks for tuning we, uh, in. We'll see you next week. I think we Nine Inch Nailed It. Nine Inch Nailed It. <laughs> Bye.